Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Accidental Muralist podcast. My name is Pam Concier. I'm the founder of allhandsart.com, allhandsart, and um, today, this is episode 21. I'm also sort of thinking of it as season two, episode seven, and the seven would be the seventh module in Heart School. I'll put a link below of, of, to explaining about Heart School, but it's sort of a school year long, um, August through May exploration of different facets of creativity and art making with heart centered from the heart, I guess, instead of like getting your inspiration and sources and all of your knowledge from out the outside world, as I imagine traditional art school mostly is. Um, This is kind of an inside out approach and we've covered a lot of topics. This is the seventh one. If you're keeping track with our little acronym, our letter is O and the topic today is originality. I have one quote, it's attributed to Cynthia Bourgeau, I'm gonna guess is how to pronounce her last name, Um, but I've also heard this in different places, and it says, original doesn't mean first in time, it means closest to the origin. And when I read that, maybe it was probably 15 years ago or so, I I wrote it immediately on a little pink post-it, which I had on my bulletin board in my former studio, and I just dug it out of a little drawer where I keep quotes and little notes and things. Um, It meant a lot to me. I felt a huge sigh of relief because I think until that point, I had sort of been casting around for what I viewed as more, I'm doing little air quotes quotes here, more creative ideas. I felt like probably at that time I was painting houses all the time, Not, not like as a house painter, but my artwork was usually, it, the subject was usually a house and then the next painting would also be a house and then the next found object kind of collage painting would also be a house and probably there was a judgy voice somewhere saying why don't you pick something more interesting why are there why are you why do you keep doing the same thing why a house is so standard and typical why aren't you painting you know something quote unquote more creative And so when I read that quote, original doesn't mean first in time, it means closest to the origin, that kind of helped me shift my mentality and rather than grasping, I guess, for what I thought art was supposed to look like, it helped me kind of relax into just admitting what I liked. And so in some ways, I feel like I could end this podcast right here. (laughs) Um, When I share this quote with other people, 
<clears throat> which I've done on multiple occasions, I can also see the relief in their eyes and they may comment, um, you know, in ways similar to how I felt when I first heard it. So although I'm not going to leave it at four minutes, um, this podcast, because I have a few other things to say, as you might have expected. Um, so closest to the origin, closest to the source, I might also say. So that, once we've sort of let go of striving for whatever our idea is about what art looks like or what, how interesting and quote-unquote creative it should be, still we have this problem of like, okay, so what, what is authentic? What is truly coming from us? And, um, and so that's kind of the main thing that I wanted to focus on today. So I've kind of actually through this course of heart school, I, by the way, side note, Everything I write or say in a podcast is a note to self. <laughs> I, it's not like I have all of these things that I've already figured out and then I'm just sort of laying them all out for you. I, I dig into these topics because there's something that I need to work out for myself or something that has been puzzling or confounding um, and so all of this really is for me. And, and if you can get something out of it, that is a great bonus. I hope that is the case, but, um, this is, this is really all about me. Um, but you know, we're, we're humans and we're probably on similar journeys. So I hope there's something in it for you. So as I was saying in the, in the course of doing heart school, which supposedly I'm kind of the leader of here, I have, I have sort of, um, some things have become clear. One is the ne necessity of having a daily practice. And I have said in other episodes and in blog posts about how I came into my morning practice and I've described my routine, so I'm not gonna do that here. Um, but it's becoming more and more clear how important that is um, for a lot of different reasons. Not only, I think, I feel like for my mental health and just kind of balance and stability, but also for keeping me kind of aligned with, with my purpose because what's, but it's not just the having it, it's the pieces of what that morning routine is. So I guess I am going to talk about it again because what it involves, and this, I want to again credit Acharya Shunya who wrote the book about Ayurveda, which I took parts and practices and mantras from to shape my morning routine. So this is not something I invented one day. This was an ancient idea passed down through many generations of people in India honing the wisdom and then it ended up in a book form by Acharya Shunya that I purchased and then I found a lot of wisdom in there so I want to give credit where credit is due 
but I think what's so effective in it is that they're embedded in the practices. There is a connection to my body. And again, this is in the, under the umbrella of how do you, how do you find your authenticity? How do you stay, how do you know that you're at your source or closest to the origin? There must be some connection to the body. We are a society that loves to just think, think through problems as though everything can be solved intellectually and we can just ignore everything below the neck and look over where we are. You know, we're kind of, we're not in a healthy place. So connecting to the body is going to connect you to your inner source. I'm just going to call it soul. Let's call it soul. Um, connecting to nature or earth, whether that is putting your hands in the soil or spending time watching the birds or hugging trees or sitting in the sand at the beach collecting rocks or whatever you need to do to become it, get in physical contact with the earth. Understand that you are the earth, you are nature, we are not separate as we've been taught we are. And getting that connection with the cycling of the moon, with the energy of the day and tonight. Um, I've been noticing, this might sound weird, but I've been noticing that in the shower, it's winter right now, it's February, I have less hair shedding in the shower and that helps you know one day I was like oh that makes sense I'm a mammal so I'm also noticing my hair feels a little bit thicker duh it's winter that's what mammals do and then in the summer you know I notice there's more hair falling out in the shower because it's hot and that's also what mammals do so I say that because any way that we can connect our own body, our own person with nature as a part of nature, not an appreciator or someone who likes to go view nature or, you know, go visit nature, but we are nature. Nature is us. We are made up of all the same things. We have approximately the same amount of water in our bodies as the earth has proportionally water we are we are nature so so that's a, another important way um, that I think helps you to connect to your source your origin and getting quiet um, another big challenge in our busy modern life I say busy because I'm assuming you're busy I might my life is pretty slow, I'm happy to say. Um, but taking intentional time to sit in silence and see what's going on in your head, see what is going on in your body, see where your mind is wandering, what feelings, emotions, sensations are coming up, um, That that's it sounds kind of obvious to say it, but that's your direct link with what, what your source material is, what you're working with. And then with, with all of those things, um, making stuff, make art. That's, 
unintentionally what years ago, and I've told this story too about kind of losing myself in wifehood and motherhood and teacherhood, um, which is pretty easy to do when you're trying to be a good, quote unquote, good wife, teacher, mother, and put everybody else's needs first. And I was, my own connection to my source, my soul was hanging by a thread. And what kept me tethered was when I started, I, I kept my interest in art. I carved out 10 minutes here, time for one class there to, to keep developing that interest or to pick it up again after I let it go for a few years. And without knowing where it would lead me, it, it kind of reeled me back in. That might not make sense, but um, that's okay. <laughs> we can be okay with it not making sense. So I was thinking this morning as I was finishing my body work on my mat, I was lying down on my back in Shavasana and I thought, oh, here's a way, because I was kind of, I will admit, while I was rolling and standing on my head and doing the things that I do, I was sort of thinking, knowing that I was going to be recording this today, and I thought of those four things I just said, get into your body, connect with nature, get quiet and meditate, and then make art. I was thinking, oh, hey, here's a here's a way you could do all of those things, or three of them, at once. You could do it now if you want. Here's what you could do. Lie down on the floor. Take a moment to feel and appreciate and surrender to the fact, the absolute fact that the earth is completely supporting you. You can just let all your muscles melt. You will not fall through the earth. It, it is completely 100% supporting you. And just let yourself think about that feeling. That, that is a body awareness. It's a nature connection. And it's a quiet moment of meditation and then you could get up and write a little poem about it. <laughs> I just, you know, just throwing things out there. But those, those four things, I am coming to see that they are all necessary for balance. And when I say balance, I mean emotional balance. They probably help our physical balance um, and just sort of, you know, kind of the, I guess, our lifestyle balance. So quick review, body, connect to your body. Remind you, connect with nature, but in a way that reminds you that you are nature. Find, find how you are similar to the birds outside or how you have the same cycles as the moon or how you your energy is like the east wind that is blowing today or you know what I mean um, spend time find time every day for quiet for silence 
and then make something, put something into the world that wasn't there before. A poem, write a letter to a friend with little doodles on it, um, dance in a way that we haven't seen before or in the same way that you always do because that's your way of dancing. So I have some homework. I'm gonna go ahead and, and um, talk about the homework assignment, which I have been a little lax on for the last few months. But there's two things that I thought would be important to do for homework. One, and this, these are, this is another two ways that you could also move closer to the source, closer to the origin, your authentic self. One is to make a list, or it could be in poem form, and I was reminded of this by my friend Gail recently, who's part of a, like a writing group for doctors, which is such an awesome idea. Um, they wrote, they spent time writing I love poems. I love uh, watching the sunrise. I love putting my toes in the sand. And I did this yesterday in my journal in the morning, and after like two pages or three pages, I was like, man, I could go on forever and I'd only covered the things that were within arm's reach of me. So um, not only is it a gratitude builder, but um, it does kind of help suss out like what, you know, what, what makes you you? What are the things that you gravitate towards? So that's one of your assignments, to sit down and write, I love, I love, and fill out, fill in all the blanks and just keep going and going and going. When, when my friend uh, told me about that, I, I found some little pieces of a, an I love poem that I had written probably 15 years ago, maybe, probably more like 20, because my kids were little, one of them was like, I love the feel of little tiny hands around my neck. Um, something I don't really get these days, I sort of miss that. But, so I sent her pictures of my little poems from many years ago and she sent me hers, so that can be fun to share with a friend too. So that's your homework assignment number one, I love, and just keep going and going and going. And then second, I thought about um, Sometimes getting to our source or our authentic self, our core, our origin, means stripping things away. And I have some examples of this. One is when I was, well, let's see, the kids, my kids were still in school. They are now 23 and 29 because I was still on PTA meeting, going to PTA meetings and boards and I made a decision, I was by this time full, had shifted out of teaching school and was working as an artist full time. And I thought, you know what, I am not going to be on PTA boards anymore. I, I will still volunteer, but I'm gonna do creative projects, I'm gonna do things that actually are fun for me, not unfun and I know there's always unfun things in life and PTA 
meetings and being on the board is really important, but I thought, you know what, there are people who are really good at that, and that's a way that they want to contribute. And for me, it was it was a should. It was 100% should, like, hmm, it doesn't look like anybody else is stepping up, and, you know, somebody ought to do it. So I, I try to live by this motto, which is hard as a people pleaser, recovering perfectionist, that just because you're good at something doesn't mean you should do it. So the homework assignment number two is to look around your life, maybe take out your calendar and see what you can get rid of. And think about how just because you're good at it, it doesn't mean you should do it. Think about how if it's for you a should and something you dread, it is very likely, and it took me a while to understand the truth of this, that there are people who actually really enjoy doing that thing. And you might not know those people or have examples of them, but there are. And so we can let our egos go a little bit um, it, because I, I also recognize that in me stepping up to be on the PTA board, which by the way, I did again and again, like at different schools and it involved a little ego in the sense of like, well, you know, if I don't do it, nobody else can. And, you know, maybe somebody else was on the sidelines kind of wanting to be asked or hoping that it would still be vacant or who knows. Tell yourself, tell yourself whatever you need to tell yourself to stop doing things that you're just doing out of either ego or shooting on yourself or to fill your schedule so you can feel important or that was kind of harsh of me but you know we do that so shedding things so when I I have an example from myself that's the one I just gave of deciding no longer will I just sit on go to meetings and sit on boards that because I feel obligated I will find ways that are more aligned with my interests and be involved that way. Um, I also want to tell some unusual stories. I have not run this past my kids yet, but I'll, I'll ask them before I publish this. I thought of some times where I was proud of my two kids individually at different times for unusual reasons not the usual parental things. One, okay, my older child, Elena, when she was in high school, she went, well, we chose a high school for her in Oakland, a public high school that had an engineering program, which it was kind of the, the big deal at that school. Um, it was why middle-class families, you can read white families into that if you want to, um, that would be pretty accurate. Why white families chose to send their kids to this school that was 95% um, not white, it was because of this engineering program. And so we, sh we got her into the school. There was a little application thing because it was not our neighborhood school. 
and she was in the engineering program and then after I think the first semester or the you know just a little ways into the program she came home and said I don't really like engineering I don't want to do it anymore and she had done pretty well she won second prize in some state fair thing and you know was doing good work um, but she didn't like it it wasn't her thing and I of course I knew that about her like she was there was no way she was going to be an engineer that was super obvious since about second grade when all she wanted to do was read biographies of Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and she was a reader a writer she was very much a art artist not yeah this was obvious but my first thought was like wait what this is the whole reason that we're at this school is for the engineering program and it took me a while to realize like oh you know there's other there's other things happening at this school there are people at this school who are not in engineering and they seem to be doing fine and so you know with a little um, are you sure are you sure she dropped out of that program and went on and found a lot of other interesting things and was totally fine. <laughs> we were all fine. The whole family was fine. And I was proud of her for um, making that choice for herself and saying, hey, this is not for me. This is not who I am. And she knew that. So, and then along came Natalie, her younger sibling, a few years behind her and you know both of my kids were in kind of the more advanced track of classes another thing going on at this school was a an English language arts um, social studies program that was well regarded and there were you know there were a lot of AP classes and there was all kinds of stuff going on and so they were taking these classes and one day Natalie came home, I think it was time to register for the next semester, the next school year, and Natalie said, I don't want to take calculus, I took pre-calc, I don't really like calculus, I can't really think of a reason that I'm going to need it in my life, because I know I'm not going to be a scientist or a doctor or an engineer or a this or that, and so I would like to take statistics instead. Her dad, who was a math major, tried to talk her out of it because Natalie had had and has the capability. Natalie would have done okay in calculus. I think Natalie would have survived. Um, Natalie's math teacher tried to talk Natalie out of it because the teacher saw that Natalie was capable. I. I think pretty early on I listened to Natalie and thought, yeah, I get it. I took calculus. It was, there was a point that I didn't get it. I was a good math student and then sometime in calculus I just stopped understanding. I can almost remember the day that it no longer made sense. And it has not stunted my life in any way. <laughs> I feel like I can live a full life without understanding calculus. And so I supported Natalie 
in choosing to do the lesser, you know, less prestigious, less advanced um, track that involved taking statistics instead of calculus. And you know what? Natalie seems fine. She, Natalie graduated from college. She is, um, you know, out in the working world and her, the lack of calculus seems to not have stunted her in any way. Even though everybody around us was like, what? So sometimes, uh, yeah, you, you just know what you don't need to do. And even when everybody around you thinks that you should do that thing, it's okay to not do that thing. I, I had a little bit of that at the end of my teaching career where all my colleagues in, in the, filled with love were asking me, are you sure you don't want to just teach a few more years? Have you, have you calculated your retirement? Because sometimes it makes a big difference just teaching one or two more years. And they all meant well. My friends outside of school, my friends were concerned, like, really, are you sure you want to quit your job? Because, you know, I, I'm a little worried for you. Are you going to be able to handle it financially? You just got divorced. And there was a lot of concern around me. And they, everybody meant well. And I had to ignore all of it because my body was just screaming to get out of that career. So even though I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, I knew what I needed to stop doing. Um, so that was a long explanation of homework assignment number two, which is see what you need to stop doing in your life. How can you clear up your calendar? How can you sort of clear your mental space? And maybe in that space that you clear up, you will have a little more spaciousness, a little more levity and, and room in your psyche or in your day or in your home or whatever for doing those other things we talked about, for connecting with your body, seeing what it can do, seeing what feels good, in what ways it wants to move, how much is enough food for it, how, what kind of food doesn't sit well, all those things that you could tune into. Maybe you'll, have, you'll free up time to spend a little more time connecting to nature, a little more time in quiet meditation, and my favorite, a little more time making things with your hands or with your body. And all of this for the purpose of tuning into or tapping into your originality. Um, we are all, I believe this very wholeheartedly, we are each unique souls that arrived on earth in physical bodies with a purpose. And the more we can stay connected to our source, the easier it will be for us to stay connected to our purpose or to figure out what our purpose is. And since if you've listened to me or read my blog posts at all, you probably know that I am a fan of Michael Mead, um, a storyteller and mythologist. and. He 
he says that he's quoting what he calls the old stories, traditional wisdom that, that says each person is a dream set within a soul around which a body has been shaped. And I, I love that imagery. Each person is a dream set within a soul around which a body has been shaped. So any way that you can stay connected with that dream of why your soul landed here on earth and what its purpose was, um, we need that purpose. We need your contribution in the world. And if, sorry to say, but if you don't do it, it's not going to get done because you have some, this is different than PTA meetings. Somebody else will, will be on the board if you don't want to do that. But the, the, the reason that your soul showed up here, um, that's unique to you. So whether that means that your paintings are all houses, your mosaics are all stars, <laughs> that's another little thing that I keep finding myself doing, whether you keep writing poems about bluebirds or you know it doesn't matter what you keep circling around there's something there keep doing it um, it will help you stay grounded and and find meaning that's what I'm here for finding meaning thank you for listening I think some of this probably made sense. Take what you can, leave the rest. And I will catch you next time on the Accidental Mural Muralist podcast. And if you're not subscribed to my email list, why not? You should totally do that. Go to allhandsart.com. And if you scroll down on the homepage, there will be a place that you can Put in your name and email address and I will send you these podcast episodes and blog posts right to your inbox. So convenient. So um, I hope you'll do that and I will catch you next time.